We're doing this series called Healthy Living, and it's just about like the best spiritual practices that we can do to keep ourselves healthy spiritually. And today I want to speak to you guys about simplicity. So say simplicity with me. Okay, so I want to ask you guys to do something. I want you to try to rate your life on a scale of one to 10. So one being like the most simple, um, pretty simple relationships, not many complicated decisions, relatively stress-free. And 10 being like the most complex, most stressful. So yeah, just share with your neighbor, um, say where you are on a scale of one to 10. All right, cool. Let's bring it in. So I want to ask you, when you think of that word, simplicity, what comes to your mind? What do you think of? So theologian Richard Foster said this, simplicity is an inward reality that manifests in an outward lifestyle. I like that definition. I think it's really deep. And, you know, I think it's easy to think, oh, a simple life is just a lazy life. It means, you know, I just chill. I don't do much. Um, but I don't really see it that way. I think a simple life is not a lazy life. It's a focused life. A life focused on the right priorities. Because the truth is, you know, in today's age, there's so many things we could do. There's so much going on. And we could divide our attention left and right. But a simple life is one that chooses to focus on the right priorities. It's actually a spiritual discipline to withstand social pressure and temptation that would distract us and lead us away from God. Amen? So the goal of simplicity is to create space in our life so we can really be changed by God, that we can really be formed into the image of Jesus. So I want to go through Matthew 6, 19 through 34. And Jesus really spells out what a simple life looks like for us, okay? And I just want to make three simple points. One is he talks to us about priorities. Next, he talks to us about not worrying about essentials like eating, drinking, and what to wear. And lastly, he suggests to us to take each day as it comes. Okay, all right, let's get to point one, priorities. Matthew 6, 19 through 20. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. So Jesus is being very real with us. He's telling us that there's no assurance that the things that we work so hard for will last. There's no assurance that they'll always be there or nothing bad's going to happen to them, right? And I think, unfortunately, a lot of us saw in the pandemic, um, a lot of us lost our jobs and things like this. And that's how life is sometimes. Things can be taken away from us. And notice, too, Jesus is not saying that these things are bad, but he's just saying they're not stable. You know, he's being honest about that. And Matthew 20 says this, wherever your treasure is, there the desire of your heart will also be. And you got to ask yourself this, do you really want the desires of your heart to be tied to something that's unstable? You're setting yourself up to be an emotional wreck. It's very painful. And you know, I think for me personally, I think a lot of us think, you know, if I could just get my career and my family sorted out first and stuff up, I'll set myself up for a stable life. But what Jesus is saying is this isn't necessarily true. And ultimately, the only stable thing is him, the rock of ages. And therefore, we should desire a relationship with him and to gather our strength from him first before these other things. 
And you know, ultimately what we value comes down to what we're devoted to, right? So imagine I say, you know, I'm in a relationship with this person, but I'm spending all my time with somebody else, taking them out to the movies and sending them long voice notes, sharing my heart, you know? That's not right. It's not right. But it's what I do with, it's what we do with God. Right? We say we're in a relationship with him, but we spend all our time doing this other stuff. And so in Matthew, 20, in Matthew 6, 24, it says, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So we can't have it both ways, right? We can't. We have to choose. And, you know, for me, um, maybe it's difficult to admit, but, you know, we could even see this in the way our brain is wired. This professor of neuroscience at MIT, Earl Miller, he says this, people can't multitask very well. When people say they can, they're deluding themselves. Switching from task to task, you think you're actually paying attention to everything around you at the same time, but you're actually not. And that's what Jesus is saying our heart is like as well, right? That we can't really be devoted to two things equally. We have to choose where we're putting the desires of our heart. And so we can't have two masters at the same time. And um, yeah, I'll just show you guys a story. So my first like real corporate job that I got, like I really felt like God opened the door for me for that because I definitely wasn't smart enough to get it. They even told me in interviews, like, we have better people than you. So, you know, da-da-da. At the end, I got it, you know, so I knew it was the Lord. So I just felt like, you know, I got to really honor him, and I got to work hard, and I got to show people, like, yeah, I'm a Christian, so I work hard, and I do a great job and stuff. Um, but after, like, about a few months passed, and I had my, my first feedback session, and the guy, like, just one level above me, he was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really great what you're doing, but, you know, you just got to know, like, you don't have to stay this late, you know? And what you're actually doing by doing this is you're, you're signaling that you're just ready to do anything and you're not putting healthy boundaries for yourself. And what's going to happen is people are going to know that and they're going to say, well, this guy's so eager. Let me just shift the responsibility on him, you know? So this thing that started out with good intentions and I wanted my work and my money to be a tool for God's kingdom, you know, bless people with the services I provide them, um, maybe even have extra money to give to people. That tool became my master. But the problem is this, is even in my desire to serve God and in sincerity and stuff, gradually my time from the Lord just got chipped away. And you can't serve somebody you don't know. You can't fulfill his mission without his empowerment. And we have to acknowledge that as humans, is as much as we're ambitious and we want to do these great things, we, we are ultimately just human. We're frail. We need to be filled by his spirit. We need that time, you know. And so what does Jesus being our master really look like when it comes to Jesus and our career, Jesus and money? Well, I think one very simple thing is this, is just, just ask him. When you're picking a job, Lord, is this something you want me to do? I know it looks good. I know the salary is nice. I know it's prestigious. But is this what you want me to do? And also, you know, once you get that job, like, how is it affecting your relationship with him? Are you putting those boundaries to maintain your spiritual health or are you just giving in to what they're pressuring you to do? You know, I'm, I'm sorry, like a lot of these guys might seem nice, but ultimately this is their job. Their job is to get things done 
And if, if you can be a means to that, then they're gonna take what they need from you, you know? And you need to set those boundaries. You need to take care of yourself because ultimately Jesus is the only one that really has your best intention at heart through and through. So you gotta set those boundaries up and, and just lock in with him. He is our master ultimately. And you know, maybe some of us might think, you know, money's not my master, I'm, I'm cool with it, right? Okay, that's great. If, if it is, then, then give some away. And I think that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. And sometimes we find that, you know, I thought I wasn't that stressed about money, but I find actually that when it comes time to be generous, it's very difficult for me to do that. And I think that's why Jesus asked the rich young ruler to sell all his possessions. Not because possessions are bad or because he wants all of us to live in poverty. It's not about that. It's just he saw with this guy in particular Wealth was an idol. It was something that was in the way between him and a perfect devotion to Christ. So he said, if, if you want to follow me completely, you know, you ask me. So this is what I'm, what I'm telling you to do. And, you know, for some of us, money may not be the main issue, but our real master may be FOMO, fear of missing out, right? We, we need that recognition. We need to be at all the hype spots. We need to be at all the events, even when we can't afford it. You know, we just got to be seen. We got to be we got to be part of it. And so what happens is sometimes we start to fit God around our social calendar instead of our social calendar be formed around him. And if that's the case, then who's really our master? Is it just the guy that gets the scraps of all our leftover time or is it the one that we give the core of our time to the prime of our day, you know? And um, I know this is really hard stuff, guys, but. I'm just tired of people's lives being a response to pressure of what other people want you to do and what this world wants you to do and, and these fears in your minds. We're called to a higher standard. And so Jesus says to us, the num first tip to living a simple life is to reprioritize back to him. The only stable thing we have in this world, the only thing that will last past physical limits, past even death itself, and we'll be with him for eternity. There's nothing that can equal that. And the second tip he gives us is uh, not worrying about what to eat or drink or wear. And that's in verse 25. This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? So once again, look, Jesus isn't, you know, he's not condemning us. He's not saying these things are bad, but he's just saying, isn't your life more than these things? Why do you worry so much about them? And these very things that he's telling us not to be so consumed with food, drink, and clothes, that's, that's what social media pushes in front of us, right? To get us to obsess about, you know, the, the latest restaurant, the latest new place in London, latest fashion, all of this. And if we just, without any discipline, just let ourselves go with it, we'll find ourselves just feeding into that hype. So let, let's get into it. Let, let's talk about food, right? You know, some people spend the whole day thinking about food, right? What they're gonna eat, like they're just dreaming about dinner and um, it gives them motivation and then can't wait for that satisfaction of, of what I'm gonna have. And for some people, choosing a restaurant is a very anxious task. And you might get upset if someone orders something better than you. <laughs> Why are we so worried about this stuff? Why? Well, I, I think it's because somewhere deep down, we're, we're trusting in this thing 
to give us what we need, whether it's motivation or satisfaction. And we think, if I can only have this, then, then I'll be happy. Or I'll have this moment, this celebratory moment. But, yeah, Jesus is just saying, we don't need to worry about this, you know? He says in verse 25, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life, whether you have enough food and drink. And so instead of relying on these things for our well-being, he's saying, I am the bread of life. I can give you spiritual bread. That thing that you're looking for, that satisfaction that I can give you that, you know? And I think that's one of the beautiful things about fasting is you're doing something that defies physical logic. And you're saying, you know, people say I need energy to do this, but I'm just going to clean myself out and allow the Lord to meet me. And personally, when I've done that, I feel the best in my body that I ever feel when I'm fasting. Because my mind's in the right place and, and he starts to fill me with energy. You know, it's, it's, it's not true. We don't need food. Do you know how long we could go without food, you know? Do you know how much more work I could get done in these things? And it's, it's the Lord. And so we can tap into physical things to, to clutch on to energy or satisfaction we think we may need. Or we could trust the Lord and, and tap in from, from a spiritual sense, you know? Um, next, close. He said, Matthew 6, 28, And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. And you know, a lot of times we worry so much about our appearance. Our mood is up and down day to day based on how we think we look. Or we're so anxious, oh, maybe I won't wear the right thing to this event, etc., etc. And he's saying once again, you know, don't worry about these things. And why do we worry so much in the first place? Why is it so important to us? Well, the first time clothing is mentioned in the Bible is in Genesis 3, verse 7. You know, in Adam and Eve, after the fall, they sow fig leaves onto themselves to hide their sin and shame. And I think that's about right. I think it's true. I think a lot of times we buy clothes out of a posture of insecurity, right? We want to cover up our shame. We want to present ourselves better than we perceive ourselves to be. We want to project a certain image. But the Lord says in 1 Timothy 2, 9 to 10, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 9 to 10, he says, I also want the women to dress modestly with decency and propriety, adorning themselves, not with elaborate hairstyles or gold or pearls or expensive clothes, but with good deeds appropriate for women who profess to worship God. And, okay, so here is talking about women, but I think this applies to guys as well. This applies to everybody. And the general principle here is that the stress is not on your appearance. It's more about your character and your actions. And, you know, often we try to cover up something that God wants to directly address and heal in the first place. You know, we want to address the symptom, but we don't want to actually let him in to make us secure to address those insecurities. And ultimately, Jesus says he's the one that will clothe us with robes of righteousness. You know, and I think it's true for me. Like when I pray and I'm really in the word, I'm, I'm less self-conscious about the way I look. It just doesn't seem to matter so much anymore, you know? And I have a level of freedom. And that's what he wants to give us, a freedom away from the worry of appearance, of clothes, of is this, is this appropriate? And he concludes this section in verse 32, and he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. 
You know, and that might seem harsh, but the reality of the Bible is that there is a distinction between those who believe in God and those who don't. And we can't just do everything they're doing. We operate by different standards. He's calling us two different things. And he knows, he knows in your day-to-day -day life it's hard. He knows that there's pressure. He knows other people are doing things. He knows that your heart is going to tend to want to copy that. But he's saying, yes, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. We have the best thing in the world with God. Because this thing that dominates people's thoughts, that they're so obsessed with, we have a God that knows not just what we want, but what we need. That's even deeper than our own minds. We know what we want, but we don't really know what we need. But he knows what we need. And then he says, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. So he's saying when we take that step to stop letting ourselves being dominated by these external agendas, and we focus on him and get in his kingdom, then those things that we need, those things that will really actually satisfy us, not just trick us in the short term, but actually satisfy us, he will give us. And I know, I know it's hard. I know it's really hard. And I know a lot of things are flashy and they compete for our attention. And it's very easy to just, ah, let me, let me just, you know. But he's saying, I can give you what you actually need if you seek first my kingdom. And so that's point two, is he's asking us to shift our mind away from these things that dominate the thoughts of others, food, drink, clothing, and uh, focus on his kingdom. All right. And the last thing he says to us in verse 34 is, don't worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will bring its own worries. Today's troubles is enough for today. And... Um, it's a very simple verse, but I think it's really profound. Especially for us where we think planning is so important and, and you gotta be on point and everything. But when I look at the people around me, the people that actually get the most done, and I just ask them, how do you do it? It's just one step at a time. You know, I'm just doing what I have to get done today. Next day, I do that. And just, that's how you build a wall. You don't build a wall, you lay a brick. I just do that perfectly. I lay another brick perfectly on top of that. Another one, keep it tight, you know, each time. And then by the end, I have a wall, right? And that's what, that's what Jesus is telling us to do. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will bring its own worries. And I think also here again, there's another temptation. It's very easy to say, I got to come up with a master plan. I got you know, to project myself into the future. We don't know what the future is going to bring. We don't know if our plans are going to come to fruition. You might get some new data tomorrow that actually makes your plan invalid. So the most sure thing is something well executed today. And then tomorrow you troubleshoot, you figure it out, but you know, we take it day by day, right? Okay. So those, those were the three things from Matthew 6 that Jesus was teaching us. He was teaching us about reprioritizing our life on God, then not worrying about the secondary things, food and drink, what to wear. And uh, lastly, taking things day by day. So that's what the scripture is saying. And now let's just get into some practicalities. Like how can we actually, how can we actually do this, right? What does a simple life actually look like? And 
I want to give you guys just some suggestions, just stimulate your imaginations. So for your career, it may mean taking on less clients. It may mean letting go of some financial opportunities that are really taking a lot of your time. And um, maybe, you know, because we're young, it's like we're very driven and stuff. Um, but you'll talk to a lot of guys that are, that are older and, and doing quite well financially. And a lot of the times, this is what they say. They say, you know, I have a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I can make money. But the thing that I'm really scarce on right now is time. You know, I wish I had more time to spend with my kids. I wish I had more downtime to do things that are really meaningful. And so, you know, it's an idea. Like, maybe we could start a good habit early rather than having to undo it later. And especially when we're young and, like, we're really driven, it's really easy to just think, oh, well, the door's open. It must be God. And, and we just walk through. But that's not necessarily true, right? I mean, there's a lot of good things that can happen to us that don't come from God. And ultimately, the way that we'll know that is by being in uh, intimacy with him, you know? Just being in fellowship with him and knowing. And I don't want to be religious about it and say you have to pray X amount of hours to, you know. But I'll just say this is there are seasons in my life where I hear from the Lord quite clearly. And my life goes very smoothly. And there's other seasons when I might be very busy and I'm trying very hard. But not a whole lot is getting done. Because I like direction. I like that focus. Activity is not to be confused with results. And even on a deeper level, results is not to be confused with the kingdom of God. So how are we really going to know? It's very simple. We just got to be close to him. Um, for others, it, it may just look like, you know, buying less clothes. Um, you know, just taking some time off your appearance, you know. Maybe you just need to take a week just, just to be chill, casual, you know, t-shirt and jeans, just... Keep it simple for a bit. You can get glammed up later, you know. And just give yourself time from, away from the external and just focus on the internal, you know. Just address those insecurities, that, that thing that's driving you to want to wanna look good, want to look good so badly in the first place. And for others, it might be um, just decreasing your social calendar. Maybe you're burnt out. You're just doing too much, very simply. You don't have to be at all those events, you know. You know, those, those open mics, those concerts, whatever, they're going to be there when you come back, you know? And uh, in conjunction with that, just simplifying your friendships. So I know this is a hard thing for me because I, I feel like really called to share my faith with people. And, you know, I have a lot of love for people. Like, I really want to just, yeah, I just want people to know Christ. But once again, I can't serve someone I don't know. And so even Jesus who had the most impact in his ministry, he had his inner circle of 12. He didn't have an inner circle of 50 people that he was going, you know. Inner circle of 12. And let's be real with the fragility of our humanity. Do we really have the capacity to be friends with the whole world? When Jesus himself had his 12, right? And lastly, for some of you, it may mean just taking a stand and saying no to some things. And we got to attack this thing, this, this FOMO, fear of missing out thing. We got to attack it. Because it's not in the Lord's nature to use fear to make you do something. We should be doing things from a sense of, of love, sense of, a sense of calling, a sense of direction that's still peace.
I think, I think I'm supposed to go to this thing. I think there's somebody that is going to need help, you know. But it's not this fearful thing. What if I miss out? What if, what if they have such a great time and I'm left out? What am I going to do, you know? Guys, if you're not supposed to be there, the Lord can redeem it, you know. I think for me, it gets, it gets technical because so much of my events, like I'm going out for the sake of potentially I might be able to share Christ with somebody. But I feel that God many times, he tells me, it's okay, Yukon, like, I got their soul more than you do, do you know? So I don't need to be the most outgoing guy to bring someone to Christ. I don't need to go to all the nightclubs and, oh, I'm not drinking, but I want to share Jesus. I don't need to do that, you know? Like, I might, I might just be having lunch with somebody and they'll be like, man, I'm really tired, but you seem, you seem like you're not tired. Yeah, because I got Christ. I don't, I don't need to do that stuff. Maybe I should do that too. You know, it's, there's a lot of ways he can work, but he doesn't need you to, to run yourself dry to serve his purposes. <laughs> but what he does need is for you to actually know him. That's a lot more essential, you know? So, all right. So, in short, simple life. That's what he's called us to. Not a complicated life, simple life. Reprioritized on him. Not worrying about these materialistic things, food, drink, clothing, and um, just taking it one day at a time. And once again, this is important because the scripture says these dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. There's a lot of external pressure on this, and God knows that. So he's being, he's showing us tough love here, and he's saying, no, I really need you to live, live simple. I really need you to do it because you need to create space for me. Without you... You can do nothing. You have to be rooted in the vine, you know? You have to be rooted. That's what Jesus said. I don't do anything I don't see my father doing. It's kind of crazy. 30 years, he didn't do ministry. Then he does ministry, and it's only three years. And he still took time alone to pray and said, I don't do anything unless I see my father doing it. If you know, what are you anxious about? Oh, I'm anxious about I won't fulfill God's calling in my life to do this job. Okay. Jesus, what are you anxious about? I don't know. The damnation of the whole humanity? He should be the one with the most stress. And he was chill for three years, saving the world. Why should we be stressed? You know, so he's asking us to live a simple life. It's okay. Like, you're going to get God's calling done. Living a simple life and taking the time to be filled by him, right? Okay, so um, I want to pray, and I really want us to take some quiet time to just, like, really ask the Lord here and now. <sighs> Lord, what do I need to do to simplify my life? How can I reprioritize to you? How can I stop worrying about materialistic things and... You know, just show me what I need to do even tonight just, just to get myself right for the week ahead, you know. And so let's just pray together. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for your word, Lord. I thank you you didn't live with us alone, but you actually gave us very clear direction, Lord. You even lived it out for us as a human so we can see exactly what it looks like, Lord. Lord, I thank you for this blueprint you've given us in the book of Matthew. Lord, we just submit ourselves. We humble ourselves. Lord, we, we want to do this. But you know that we don't have the ability. 
and we don't have the wisdom in ourselves. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would just speak to each and every one of us right now. Say this with me, just in your heart. Jesus, how can I simplify my life? What do I need to take away? <laughs> 